It is time for midday here on KRVN, a Friday edition. Another nice day out there. Jason Jorgensen's in here. Susan Littlefield, Bob Brogan, all getting things ready to go here to talk about what we're going to be talking about in the next couple hours. Let's start things off with Susan. Is a gorgeous day there today, too, Susan? No. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Well, it was. I know. Okay. It was, it was earlier. We had the sun out, and now it has oh. kind of gone behind the clouds. The winds are kind of out of the north, about 15 miles an hour. So, yeah. I see, and what, you're, got, I see what you're talking about now. I just looked on the visual satellite, and yeah. I see what you're... A little cloudy. Okay. I'm sure there's a few nervous moms out there because it's graduation weekend uh-huh, in our uh-huh. community. And so, yeah. And it's, it's not going to be a pretty weekend. No, it isn't. It isn't. So what do you got for us on Ag Today? Well, that does, of course, lead into the 1219 mm-hmm. where Chad Moyer talks with Al Dutcher. And, yep, guess that. Sorry, moms. And not only for Mother's Day, but graduations. A wet weekend is in store, but more planting weather on the backside of this system. So some good news there. Then Bryce will step in at 1245 as his newsmaker brings the film about the grain entrapment that's hitting the big screens. It's happening today all across the country. So we'll be joined by Sam Goldberg with the movie Silo to learn more. And then I'll wrap up of everything at 117 as we start the FNBO's Fridays in the Field. And I am super pumped about this guy. You're going to be able to learn more about a producer from Polk County, Nebraska, which is just south of Columbus. Jim Camrath will talk about some unique things he did this last year that's going to help his alfalfa this year. All right. Very good. Thank you. I got a chance to talk to Sam Goldberg earlier this week. He's a great interview, so I'm really looking forward to Bryce talking to him. Yep, it'll be a good one for sure. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Turn it over to Jason now, and uh, and looks like, uh, boy, that the Lexington soccer team is just really good right now. Yeah, tomorrow will be the biggest day in soccer in the uh, history since Lexington has had the program. Wow. Because both the girls and the boys will be hosting district finals. That has never happened before. Hmm. I was I was talking to Amy earlier. She had gone to one of their games, and it's just really fun to watch. They're just so fluid in what they do. If you're not playing the Minutemen, it's, it's, it's fun. fun. Yeah, if you're trying to figure that out, which is what Carnic Catholic will try to do tomorrow against uh, Lexington. Carnic Catholic girls are also in a district final. Uh, they get travel to Scott, mm. take on top-seeded Scott tomorrow. That one starts at 2.30. Northwest boys, they've had a nice year. They will host Ralston, so we'll touch on that coming up in sports. Also, we'll hear from Nebraska native Ryan Langan. Of course, he's a kid from Cedar Rapids. Played down at Georgia Southern. He signed a free agent deal this week to potentially be the long snapper for the Los Angeles Chargers. And as you might expect, he's kind of had a crazy week since he signed that deal with an NFL team. I bet. Talked to him this morning. He's pretty pumped. I bet. As well he should be. He should. (laughs) Hey, that's uh, good for him. Way to find a specialty. I love it. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to our very own Bob Brogan. Uh, stock's doing pretty good today. Closed a little bit. Uh, they, they're they moving up. Uh, gains by banks and technology companies are kind of leading the, the rally. Um, Health care was heard a little bit by news late Wednesday that the White House supports waiving intellectual property rights for coronavirus vaccines. And um, so, again, the Dow's 30 Industrials up. All right. Thank you very much. It is time for us to check in on our ag weather and see how it's uh, 
affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And uh, we have a special guest star, Tyler Cavalli, in here to give us all of his knowledge mm. about uh, how the weather is going to affect his golf game. Right, yeah, uh, as long as it stays warm enough this afternoon. Uh, no, but temperatures across Nebraska, Kansas, and even northeast Colorado mm-hmm. are going to warm up nicely. We're, we're expecting 70s for the most part, somewhere in the 70s in the Nebraska-Kansas region. However, if you're going to be out west or northeast Colorado, you likely might even see 80s today. Wow. And it's, enjoy it because it's going to cool down. Yeah, we're we're at the we're <laughs> at the pinnacle today because yeah. things are going to get, and we're starting to see clouds move into parts of eastern Nebraska right now too. Yeah, and it looks like some uh, light rain south of Grand Island along I eighty that could possibly go down to Hebron and then stretching down as uh, Scott mentioned down to Manhattan as well. But uh, those are starting to dissipate a little bit. Unsettled weather, though, is expected once again across the northern Rockies and northern plains over the next couple of days. An upper-level trough slash low is forecasted to move eastward into the western U.S. and push a frontal system across the west ahead of it. Now, these features will lead to precipitation for the northern Rockies into the northern plains. Several inches of snow is expected in higher elevations, and even some light snow amounts could even spread into lower elevations of the northern plains. Given cooler-than-average temperatures spreading into the northwestern and north-central U.S. after a warm Friday across the Rockies. Now, scattered thunderstorms are possible in portion of the plains, and some storms could be strong. Then, as the western upper-level low shifts into the northern Rockies slash northern plains on Saturday, a low-pressure system is then forecasted to consolidate in the central plains, and thunderstorms should develop near its associated warm front. A slight risk of severe weather is in place mainly in Kansas tomorrow for tornado, wind, and large hail threats. Again, this is primarily for Kansas. Additionally, a slight risk of excessive rainfall has been uh, delineated in portions of the Central Plains and Middle Mississippi Valley, where one to two inches of rain could cause flash flooding concerns, where thunderstorms train over the same areas on Saturday and Saturday night. In terms of temperatures, will be quite warm today for the Rockies as well as the desert southwest, four corner states, and the high plains with widespread 80s. Above normal temperatures will be pushed southward and focus across the Texas-Oklahoma panhandles on Saturday as much colder air will filter into the north-central U.S. with the trough approaching. Now, heat and dryness damaging corn in Brazil, cool weather in the Midwest, and some possible beneficial moisture for the U.S. northern plains are the primary weather features for the commodity market's attention today. The DTN Ag weather forecast calls for a system to bring more rainfall during the weekend, mostly across the south, while the north stays drier for the next week. Now, some chilly weather, including frost potential, unfortunately, is possible across the north and eastern regions through much of next week, which may damage emerging crops. This is not a high likelihood, nor is it widespread, however. Now, in the northern plains, temperatures have fallen below freezing a couple of days this week and may do so this weekend into next week, which which could damage any emerged corn or wheat. Moderate showers are expected through Sunday for a good portion of the region being very beneficial for soil moisture where it, where it occurs. Northeast North Dakota is not likely to receive much precipitation. Now, a front moving northward through southern Brazil has brought moderate showers to the Rio Grande de Sol for developing winter wheat, but did not bring many showers in northern uh, Mato Grosso de Sol for corn. Overall, heat and dryness continue for another week, causing stress and damage to the corn in Brazil and those regions. 
Finally, Argentina has had recent showers that disrupted the corn and soybean harvest somewhat, but primed soils for winter wheat planting which picks up the next couple of weeks in the Argentina region. Another system is set to bring widespread showers Sunday into next week, and periods of showers will continue to delay harvest in the Argentina region. But right now we are seeing uh, temperatures again in the 60s. Enjoy the warm-up today, uh, and really the winds will be a little light as well, but uh, things are going to change tonight into uh, really through next Wednesday. So for your graduation and Mother's Day mm-hmm. plans, uh, I, I, if you, if you were planning an outdoor graduation, that may not uh, work out so well. Yeah, like I mentioned this morning, if you're doing one of those out, outdoor graduation parties, be fine. It's going to be in the 60s tomorrow. However, make sure it's a tent or at least covered. You, yeah. you may want to have a covered outdoor mm-hmm. uh, reception tomorrow just because of the possibility of uh, rain on and off through the afternoon and evening. And then uh, those winds could be a little nasty at times. They could. Gusting around 30. Blow the tent over. Correct. So make sure it's staked down very, very well. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. <laughs> Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska's ag climatologist Al Dutcher. And spotty showers, even some severe storms across parts of Nebraska this past week. What's in store for us in the future, Al? Well, Chad, since I was up in Michigan here for the last 10 days and seven of them rained, I thought I'd bring a bunch of that back with me. And it looks like we're going to have a very soggy weekend ahead of us. Today may be the best day in the next three or four as we have a pretty significant trough working across the northern United United States in association will see a low pressure develop in at the surface in Kansas and that moisture will be pumped up into the region. We should start to see precipitation spreading from west to east as we go through the overnight hours. We're probably going to be looking at periods of some heavy to moderate rain across eastern Nebraska. Exact location right now has been varying but somewhere around east central into southeastern Nebraska potentially extending up into northeastern Nebraska. That system will start to progress eastward and as we get into Sunday morning the heavy the rain will start to move into western Iowa. But some of that energy from that upper air trough will break off and kind of slide toward the west. That means that we'll see basically a cutoff low try to form over portions of Colorado as we go into Sunday night and Monday. That will allow for some upslope flow to develop and produce a fairly decent precipitation shield across northeastern and northern Colorado, some of that extending up into the southern Panhandle in southwest Nebraska. And then from the GFS model standpoint, it takes a couple days for that energy to move toward the east. And unfortunately, that means that the precipitation shield associated with that energy ejecting eastward has been shifted slightly toward the north, meaning that more of Nebraska is going to be in that precipitation band instead of just basically Kansas. As that moves across the state during the midweek, it's going to pull in a little bit cooler air once again through the northern plains, and that system will get stronger as it moves eastward and generate some fairly significant moisture across the central and eastern Corn Belt. As we get into later the week, as that system moves toward the east, we draw in some cooler air, and unfortunately, we're not looking at a return to 80s or any 90s anytime soon. We will see a period of dryness basically through the weekend before another piece of energy starts to move into the northern Rockies. And that will drive a cold front toward the southeast. Should reach us sometime as we get into either Saturday night, Sunday. And that primarily looks like it's going to benefit more of us, north central, northeast, 
through southeastern Nebraska. At this point in time, the GFS model gives basically make, makes it a light to maybe a moderate event. The cool air stays in place as that energy moves toward the east-southeast. We get a large upper air trough forming across the eastern United States. That means we'll see more warmth in the western part of the state, drier conditions, but much cooler conditions as we're on the backside of that trough in the eastern part of the state. Then that trough basically holds into place. And as we get from the 18th all the way through the end of the model period, we're dealing with high pressure aloft across the central plains, upper air trough across the eastern United States, and a trough that has been cut off and slowly starts to drift toward the uh, west coast will start to move inland, to, according to the models, as we get toward the end of the month. And as we've seen before, those cutoff lows get to be very dangerous. So we'll watch that with keen interest to see if the GFS has got this figured out, because that would mean an extended period of precipitation would probably come in at the end of May to early June. And, of course, with those cutoff lows this time of year and much warmer conditions as we get to the end of May, we'll probably start to tap into some more significant severe weather across the central plains. Very good. As always, great insight. Thank you much. That's Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. And our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. Time for us to check in on sports. And we're joined by Jason Jorgensen on this Friday afternoon. And uh, welcome in, soccer Soccer getting going here. Yep, both the Lexington girls and boys soccer teams will be at home tomorrow in district final action. The second-ranked men and men are 17-1. and They'll host 9-4 and Carnic Catholic. Lexington beat the Stars earlier this season 6-1. to And Coach Jess McCark says the men and men have done a great job of being locked in. I think it's our seniors, uh, you know, guys that missed out on a year. Um, every time they cross over that white line, it's uh, 80 minutes they didn't get. And uh, they want to live every second of every minute of every game and uh, that's how we're doing it uh, it's just one little bit at a time and now the minimaids on the other hand they've also had a year to remember they're 13 and 4 that's the best record in school history they will host 10 and 6 blair this is the first time in school history that the lexington girls will host a district final both matches start tomorrow at noon Coach McCarg has built a powerhouse there for the boys, hasn't he? Yep, and uh, boys a big favorite, and we'll see what the Minutemates can do against the Blair team that goes into that match having lost two in a row. Another action, Carney Catholic, they're in the district finals. They'll take on top-seeded Scott. That one will be played tomorrow in Omaha 230, and the B6 features Northwest hosting Ralston. Nebraska native Ryan Langan signed a free agent deal with the Chargers over the weekend. Now, Langan, who's from Cedar Rapids, played six-man football at Riverside before starring at Georgia Southern. He had more than 500 snaps in college without a miscue and was named a third-team All-American. He says things have been interesting since he signed with L.A. It's been pretty chaotic. Um, after the draft, you know, after getting drafted, I actually am out here now in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm training with um, the current uh, Chargers punter, Ty Long, Just trying to build some chemistry with him. And so, yeah, it was a quick turnaround after. Um, and then on the 12th, I'll be heading out to L.A. for rookie minicamp. This past season, Langan started all 13 games. He was also a Patrick Manley Award finalist. That award is given to the best long snapper in college football. Plus, he was named to Phil Steele's All-American third team and was all Sunbelt Conference. UNK track and field team heads to Pittsburgh, Kansas this weekend for the MIAA Outdoor Championships. The two-day meet begins tomorrow at 10. That is scheduled to wrap up around 6.30 on Sunday. And 
college football teams will be required to hold at least seven padless practices during the preseason, and the number of contact practices will be reduced from 21 to 18. Those are the proposals suggested by the NCAA's Oversight Committee and will go on out to the Division I Council for approval this month. It's expected to pass and go into effect next season. The changes of preseason practice come after a five-year study of six major college football teams showed that players suffered more concussions during preseason practices than during the games. Hmm. Something to chew on. Interesting. They continue to mess with the game. Mm -hmm. A little bit, but they're just trying to keep everybody safe. Well, it'd be nice not to have 43 guys out for this. Yes, it would. (laughs) Best sports. More. Find it anytime at krvn.com. All right, thanks, Jason. This is a 3D consumer alert from the Nebraska Attorney General's office. Scammers often pose as relatives or friends with messages urging you to wire money immediately. They need cash to help with an emergency like getting out of jail or paying a hospital bill. In Nebraska, the most popular of these scams is the grandparent scam where seniors are led to believe that their grandchild is truly in trouble. If someone contacts you desperate for money, resist their urge to act immediately, no matter how dramatic the story. Verify their identity by asking questions a stranger couldn't possibly answer, and do not wire money, use a bank card, or send a money order via overnight. Put yourself at ease. Call your family member or friend using a number you know is genuine. Chances are excellent you will find them safe and not where you were led to believe. For more, visit us on the web at protectthegoodlife.nebraska.gov. With Jennifer Brem from the Nebraska Attorney General's Office, I'm Ryan Sothan. It is 1230, just about right on the dot. Look at that. How about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, every once in a while, even a blind squirrel finds it out. <laughs> Ellen's in here. It is time for our now Friday afternoon news. I like that. It's one yeah. of my favorite news. Yeah, you know, Friday, you know, it's fr- Friday, finally. <laughs> it's Friday. We will, we will take it, and uh, you take it away, please. All right. Well, Holdrich Rib Fest competition is returning to Phelps County after a year hiatus due to COVID-19 precautions last summer. Event organizers Doug Stevenson is very excited to bring the event back for Swedish Jays and adds that the community is in for a show. This year, we're back with a vengeance. We changed things up. We're at KCBS Double this year, which means we've got two contests for, for the barbecue team Saturday and Sunday morning, which means we're more attractive to those teams, so we should get at least 50 teams. My gut feeling is we're going to be closer to 70 to 80 teams. We're going to fill town with smoke. Stevenson continued that registration for teams is still open. Ribfest will take place on Friday through Sunday, June 18th to the 20th. Are we uh, doing a remote to that by any chance? Uh, I'm not sure. Probably. We probably should. (laughs) (laughs) I volunteer. Well, Nebraska lawmakers have given initial approval to watered-down coronavirus protections for meatpacking workers. But the measure faces opposition, even though many plants are already following the proposed requirements. Senators on Thursday advanced the bill through the first of three required votes, but not with enough votes to override a veto if Republican Governor Pete Ricketts objects. A similar measure stalled in the legislature last year. The new bill eliminates a six-foot separation requirement for line workers as well as tougher ventilation standards, but it would still mandate masks, paid leave for workers who test positive, and the opportunity to get tested on company time. 
Republicans are increasingly using food, especially beef, as a cudgel in the culture war. In statements, tweets, and fundraising emails, prominent GOP governors and senators have accused climate-minded Democrats of trying to push Americans to eat less red meat. Conservatives have accused President Joe Biden of planning to ration red meat. The news was wrong, but the food fight is likely to continue as food choices became a way of signaling partisan politics. Already in farm states, meat eating has joined abortion, gun control, and transgender rights as an issue that quickly sends partisans to their concerns, or excuse me, to their corners. Two Rivers Public Health updated the weekly risk dial and vaccination report on Thursday, May 6, 2021. The risk dial decreased from the previous week but remained in the yellow moderate level. Over 41% of individuals in the district are fully vaccinated. 11 new cases of COVID-19 were reported by Two Rivers for Wednesday, May 5th and Thursday, May 6th. New confirmed cases for Wednesday include Buffalo County 3, Phelps County 3. New confirmed cases for Thursday include Buffalo County 3, Dawson County 2. Well, you can find more news at krvn.com. Use the word I, I had to look up. Yeah, what? Well, I'm assuming you knew what that <laughs> one was. It was a, a, a cudgel is a oh, short, sorry. thick stick used as a weapon. So I did say it right. No, no, you did. Okay. Uh, it definitely is a cudgel, but I was, n- I had, and hmm. so if we used it in a sentence, they would lie in wait and cudgel her to death. Wow. That's a new one. Listen, I, I, I think that, uh, hang on, you know, that's, that's one of those things that uh, it's just important. It's one of those, you know, here, hang on. This, this will explain it. Just okay. Second. We'll just do this. The more you know. Here on, oh, there we go. go <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Ellen. Appreciate right. it. Bryce Duskett joining you now on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're catching up with Sam Goldberg with the film Silo. The film is the first ever feature about a grain entrapment, and Sam, it's good to have you here today. The film is powerful in emotion from my experience of watching it. It it depicts a teenage boy becoming victim of a grain entrapment, certainly not a lighthearted topic by any means. So I want to know why you chose to take this topic on. Well, thanks for having me, Bryce. And, uh... This has sort of felt like a project that over time chose me. Um, you know, I was working in New York City trying to develop and produce independent films that I was passionate about, and I had no clue that the first you know, feature film that I would end up producing would be about farmers and firefighters in a rural part of the country. Um, I grew up in New York City, and so my experiences were there. But when I was pitched this movie by Marshall Burnett, the director, I immediately thought it was a compelling you know, something that could be entertaining and thrilling and captivating. And then the more I got to know farmers and fire rescue workers, the more I realized that these sorts of accents are very common and they touch small towns often across the country. And wouldn't it be important to maybe try and build some awareness around these subjects, maybe help prevent some tragedies, while also, you know, depicting people in small-town America in an authentic and positive light that maybe could produce some empathy in what sometimes feels like a growing divide in the country. I saw the film myself uh, for the first time in the, the complete form, I believe, at the American Farm Bureau uh, convention. What was that? Two years ago, it was shown uh, as people, folks are waiting for the president to speak. A great opportunity for, for producers to see that. And I mentioned in the intro, it's it's an emotional film, and it's uh, something that it, it meets... It, 
it touches home for so many people because you mentioned this happens in a lot of rural communities. And so a uh, great job on putting that film together from my experience, Sam. Talk about the distribution of this. Uh, I mentioned I've seen it. A lot of folks have so far, uh, but that's going to expand a little bit here at the end of the week. But let's first talk about how you've shown it so far. Well, um, you know, we actually uh, showed the movie at AFBF, the Farm Bureau Convention, um, in January of 2020. I mean, it feels like it was five years ago because of everything that's happened in the world, but it was only it was only just a year and a half ago, and uh, that was a culmination point for the movie. We had started doing community educational screenings of Silo at the Farm Progress Show in late August of 2019. And we said to people, you know, hey, if you're a Farm Bureau member, if you're an FFA advisor, if you're a member of a co-op, or if you work at a grain elevator or at a local bank or insurance business, whatever you do, if it's related to ag or if it's related to first responders, let us know if you'd like to see Silo, and we'll license the movie to you uh, for an educational event. And, you know, that's a, that's a unique way to distribute a movie. That's not kind of this traditional way to do it. But, you know, in today's very saturated, very busy media marketplace, you have to find a way to get directly to your audience. And so we played a bunch of farm shows, you know, from Farm Progress to American Farm Bureau to DTN, the Husker Harvest Days, uh, where I believe you and I first met for the first time. Um, and, uh, and basically, we did over 200 of these community events in about a year and a half and uh, reached over 50,000 audience members across the country and, and also in Canada. And then we were fortunate because of the success of that initiative and because of the buzz the movie was kind of building we partnered with a company called Oscilloscope. Uh, they're one of the best independent film distributors uh, in the world, honestly. They were founded uh, 11 years ago by Adam Yauch, uh, who sadly passed away. Uh, but he was one of the three Beastie Boys, and he loved independent film, and he loved directing and producing. And this has just been a, a unique process of doing all the work ourselves as a small business, just doing educational events. And now we're going to have a very broad release, almost like a traditional commercial film. A broad release indeed. I'm looking at the map, and it looks like things are going to really kick off on Friday, May 7th. And uh, this is going to be available in a lot of theaters. I'm looking at even up in Alaska, but uh, here where most of our listeners are in Nebraska and Kansas, you've got fo- you've got uh, community theaters showing the film. Talk about uh, this exciting announcement. Yeah, so we well, when Oscilloscope and, and our company partnered in February, just three months ago, uh, the goal was to make sure that people could stream Silo directly from our website at silothefilm.com and also have them purchase discs, Blu-rays, DVDs. But then Oscilloscope is also connected to all the other platforms that you, know, you could watch a movie on. So we're going to be at 97% of homes that have cable on demand. And so we started to book those you know, companies, and that got very exciting. And then all of a sudden, in late March, early April, the country started opening up because people were getting vaccinated and, and COVID hopefully was at, was and is at bay a little bit. And movie theaters decided to open up. And so all of a sudden we had all this interest from movie theaters. And uh, starting May 7, Friday, we're going to be in over 220 movie theaters across the country, uh, which will make us one of the biggest independent film releases of the last 10 years. Um, and I think it's a tribute to the quality of the movie, but also the passion of our audience um, and then also, this is just a unique time to be releasing a film. There aren't a lot of movies out there. You know, there's summer blockbusters coming out in July, a lot of superhero movies and all that. But a heartfelt, independent film about rural America doesn't come along often. And I think we're seeing the momentum behind that. And hopefully people will get out there and, and see it. We're going to be in nine theaters in Nebraska. And, you know, we're, we're, we're next door in Kansas. And we're, we're in Iowa and Missouri and Indiana. You know, like you said, we're in Alaska, Louisiana, Florida. So it's I think right now, as we sit here, we're in 39 states. My goal is to get to all 50. 
Well, that is absolutely incredible, Sam. Congratulations on that. That's a that's a big deal, and uh, we want folks to get out to, and visit your website, silo the film, so they can go out and visit this uh, across the Midwest in person at some of these movie theaters. Sam, as always, thanks for your time, and we'll catch up with you next time. Thank you so much, Bryce. Take care. I'm Bryce Tuskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. <laughs> With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are rallying to records on Wall Street today, despite a stunningly disappointing report on the nation's job market. As investors see it helping to keep interest rates low, the S&P 500 rose eight-tenths of a percent in afternoon trading, above its record-closing level set at the end of last month. Voices up and down Wall Street acknowledged that Friday morning's jobs report was a massive disappointment, and it jolted the bond market, but many still expect the economy to keep strengthening. The weak jobs number also bolsters the case for the Federal Reserve to keep interest rates low to boost the jobs market. America's employers added just 266,000 jobs last month, sharply lower than in March, and a sign that some businesses are struggling to find enough workers as the economic recovery strengthens. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce is calling for Washington to immediately stop paying out-of-work Americans an extra $300 a week in unemployment benefits, saying the boost in government aid is giving some recipients less incentive to look for work. The business group saying today that the supplemental unemployment benefit, part of the Biden administration's efforts to support the pandemic-ravaged economy, results in about one in four recipients taking home more in unemployment pay than they earned when they were employed. The British government has announced a first tentative step toward resuming international travel, saying U.K. citizens will be able to travel to countries including Portugal, Iceland, and Israel later this month without having to quarantine on their return. Transport Secretary Grant Shapps says the country's current blanket ban on overseas vacations is being replaced by a traffic light system classing countries as low, medium, or high risk. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Welcome to this week's edition of Fridays in the Field, being brought to you by FNBL, the great big small bank. I'm Susan Littlefield, and we are just outside of Columbus, Nebraska, where this growing season, I'm going to get the chance to follow Jim Kamarath. Jim has the help of his son and one of his grandsons as well when it comes to the farming operation. But, you know, sometimes farming the old way, not the big, huge equipment, is sometimes the best way. And we're going to find out about that during this growing season and some unique things that he did last year to prepare the fields for this year. So, Jim, let's start out. We know that you did get some rain this week. Uh, not a lot, but still enough to, to add some moisture to the fields. Well, we did. We had, uh, last evening, we had a strong 40 hundreds, uh, which was uh, really, really about the right amount, right, for this year because, you know, it's, some of the seed was in a little bit of uh, drier ground. Uh, we had uh, planted some rye, and I'd gotten done with that planting yesterday, and uh, Obviously, I knew it was going to be hard, and it was ground was hard, and uh, and in some spots it was in kind of a more drier than I wanted. But uh, that forty hundreds was uh, was a blessing. Was a blessing. Very much so. Let's talk about planting rye. Why <laughs> do you plant rye in your operation? Uh, you know the uh, it, it's for weed pressure. Uh, rye is noted to for uh, uh, suppressing weeds, and. Uh, it was a year ago uh, we decided to put in another uh, field of alfalfa. 
And uh, we took beans off. We had beans. We took them off. And that was in the fall. We took the beans off well, we didn't want to, when we wanted to plant the alfalfa into August of the following year. Last August, we planted it. And, uh, you know, you've got to have to do something with the ground. You just didn't want to leave it. So whether we planted the rye in the fall and it was coming up, my intention was to probably kill it at one point so it didn't get so high because it's pretty tough to manage when it gets fairly tall. Well, as the rye was coming up, I mean, it was a, really a good stand. And uh, as it got going, and my youngest son, Clayt, uh, who works for Pioneer, uh, he says, well, why don't we just leave that and combine it? We had several different options, Susan, about this. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm throwing these options out, and he's throwing them at me, and I'm thinking, manage this is not going to be good. So anyway, the first option was just kill it. Well, then, like we saw, we, the stand was pretty decent. We cut it, we bailed it, it turned out really, really well. I sold it to a local f feed yard down the road here. And uh, we got, uh, it was, I guess it was like $40 a ton. And we had like close to 300 bales off of 50 acres. But the rye itself, then we had followed the rye with millet. So we had like three months in there before the August to plant the alfalfa. Now you've got alfalfa, which, it, which is doing good. It's, it's lush, it's green, and do you associate some of that to, to having that millet and the rye in there in the previous year? Uh, yeah, I, I do, I do, because the fact is, when that, you know, under the pivot, the, uh, the alfalfa is, is really thick. We, uh, we have a 20-foot International 5400 drill, which nine and a half inch spacings on it. That's just a small portion of the interview with Jim Camrath, who farms in Polk County. By the way, when we go back to his place in early June, I'm excited and hope to have the opportunity to speak with his grandson, Ben, about what it's like to farm with Grandpa. That's the FNBO's Fridays in the Field. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we come in here to the close on a Friday, I feel like somewhat like the movie Groundhog Day where we see some repetitive action. The good news is this repetitive action just means higher and higher grain markets. But we do have one thing looming out ahead of us with the WASDA report next week. What do you make of these trades near the high going into the weekend? Well... You know, the same thing, opinion I'd have probably the last week. You know, outside of the, the price action on the new crowd, now we had December really take over, uh, July closing near and tie. You have to think we're going to see more upside ahead of the report. This is momentum kind of takes us there. Uh, but in, in the time I've been doing this, you know, big time weather changes and USDA reports are, are what uh, are what move a market like this. So next week you're seeing the volatility just for a week five, a week two options. So it gets you to the next five trading days, you're spending almost 17, 18 cents for net the money uh, put almost 20 now. So it's a, uh, it's priced in the volatility is, 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 is here. It's not going anywhere for a while. And uh, you better just buckle up because the forecast don't verify um, some rain here in the next couple of weeks in Northwest Iowa. This is going to make the, the short term markets look like a, a picnic in my opinion. And I don't know where we stop because you're really seeing ethanol margins stay firm. You have, you know, hog feeding margins still firm. Obviously, the story in the cattle markets is well well documented. But you know, with, with cash price and beef skyrocketing, it's hard to think that you're going to see that cattle market just completely fall apart. 
And then in the case of uh, a poultry, you know, they're, they're consuming as much as they ever have. So it's hard to think this thing turns. This is the kind of market we see, you know, the news flow it represents price action, that said. And again, if the USDA comes out next week and gives us some bonkers number where they had, you know, seven, eight million total acres, uh, you know, maybe this thing turns around a little bit. But I don't think you're going to see the end users uh, you know, capitulate here. I think they're they're looking to buy breaks, and even in those deferreds where you're looking at like 2023, you can still buy 440 corn. So they're going to factor in higher prices in the short term. You know, as we all know, going to the grocery store, they seldom we will cut them. And, uh, you know, this might be their opportunity to jump in and buy some. So short term here, I think we see more upside. I'd watch the wheat markets. Minneapolis above eight bucks now. Uh, and that could really go, and especially if we have weather problems and acreage problems uh, that are, you know, estimated to be developed. So hard to be bullish on a day like today, or hard to be bearish, rather, on a day like today. Uh, outside of the jobs numbers we, we got today, which I think were a complete anomaly, uh, you know, I think there's it's full steam ahead here for the markets. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more at DanielZagMarketing.com. Again, DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember, trading future and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And that's going to do it for Midday for today. If you'd like to hear Midday in its entirety, you can go to KRVN.com. Just click on Podcasts and go to Midday. It is 126 Fox Business coming up in 60.